This podcast is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof program for first responders. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Most Americans have no idea how big human trafficking is in our country, both for sex and for labor. My next guest is going to talk about it and her work in anti-human trafficking. Melissa Kaiser is on the show. She works with law enforcement everywhere as well as being a keynote speaker. She also does work with many with secondary trauma. But she's going to talk specifically about the problem of human trafficking and how we all can get involved in making it stop. Melissa Kaiser, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Very excited to have my next guest on the show, Melissa Kaiser. She has a clinical background as a social worker, but she is an expert in human trafficking and secondary trauma, and she's here today. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. That was good. Short was and good? sweet. It was a short, yes. sweet brevity. I like brevity. <laughs> well, I like it because it's awkward when you have to stand there when someone talks about you or reads your bio. So I appreciate. Short well, and I sweet. could read your entire entire <laughs> bio, but that might Mm-mm. that might take up the whole time. Oh Lord, <laughs> I'm good to pass, but thank you. <laughs> well, we met through a mutual uh, friend, and I'm glad you're here, <laughs> Melissa. So. Uh, what what got you on on the path that you you're on right now with with you know talking about human trafficking and your clinical background? What got you on that path? Because it's it's a, it's a great path, and you're doing m- much needed work out in the world. Well, thank you. I um, the social work side, I, I just kind of always knew. So the long mm. short of it is, I read a book in high school called A Child Called It by Dave Pelzer. I was going to say Stephen yeah. King. It. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Makes sense. And I just, I fell in love with the idea of help because it's a story of his horrific abuse. And even as a young kid that like really appealed to me, which is, yeah, I just was like, I want to help these people. And I read the book in like two days and my mom was like, yeah, that's like very social worky. You'd probably be a very good social worker. Didn't know what that was. Uh, but then obviously got into it and that's exactly what I wanted to do. And the human trafficking piece uh, is interesting because I worked in many other areas of social work and then I I'm from North Dakota and they received a federal grant to start a human trafficking task force. And we had like no services specific to trafficking there. And I was just interested again, kind of going towards a, a topic that 
I like a challenge. I like talking about things that make people uncomfortable. I like, especially yeah. in North Dakota, it's like, God forbid, if you have sex and, or excuse me, talk about sex and talk about drugs, that's <laughs> going to make kids want to have sex and talk about, or have, you know, is it that, is it still that way? And, and I, I'm in, not trying to areas, knock North, North. No, Dakota, no. But. In, um, in certain areas. Yes. And so yeah. that just appealed to me to like, get involved and and work with human trafficking survivors because I also realized how overlooked that was. Um, So I was what they called the first human trafficking navigator for North Dakota. So I developed protocol and policies. I worked with victims from all over um, sex and labor trafficking, uh, developed training, helped write grants. So kind of all of the above and fell in love. I didn't realize that was my passion and it is. And um, within that time, the secondary trauma happened really randomly because I got really close with my team members from all over the state, you know, whether it was law enforcement, medical youth providers. And I, I just started seeing a lot of the work impacting them, whether they treated victims poorly, like they were just impatient and kind of like burnt out or their home lives were suffering. And we saw some really horrific stuff. And then just like, you know, went to lunch and acted like nothing ever happened. I'm like, this is kind of messed up, you yeah. know, that we So anyway, I got into the secondary trauma stuff many years ago, too, just saying, like, we got to do something here, because if we don't take care of ourselves, we're going to treat the people we work with like shit. I can swear on here, right? Right. I guess. Go ahead, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. I I freaking swear all the time. Okay, good. Damn it. And uh, (laughs) goddamn shit, goddamn. Okay, I got it out. We're good. Um, So anywho, it just it just fell into my lap kind of like the secondary trauma piece and now I do that all over the country as well as human trafficking whether it's consulting on the topics or training at conferences uh it's what I do it's amazing and I want to dive into the human trafficking portion of it in a minute but you made a really good point all of it's great points about you know how the job uh, of first responders not just cops but it it does affect you you know Mm -hmm. it affected me and I like your you know what you said about how we we become you know unemotional or non-empathetic yeah, a lot of us exactly we see a horrific scene and i know that's a coping me- mechanism because i've been there yeah. it's like humor dark humor you yeah. probably heard but mm-hmm. at some point you got to come back to reality and realize this is it's going to affect you yeah i don't care how big and bad you think you are mm-hmm. uh, nobody is designed to see trauma every day like mm-hmm. first responders, let alone the horrific things like human trafficking and and, and yeah. sex and and you know the sex trade and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, yeah. As far as the human trafficking, we were talking about it before we start, Melissa, about how I don't think people realize, you know, uh, in this country, how big of a problem. I mean, I think maybe we, we could talk about that recent movie that came out and how Hollywood mm-hmm. kind of, you know skews things a little bit because you're an mm-hmm. expert but i don't think people really realize the the magnitude of this problem in this country and if they do they're just ignoring it yeah am i am i right you're right uh it's i mean yeah it's massive i don't know how else to even say it where mm-hmm. i mean people are are um being posted like sold so to say online for sex every day and people go out and seek those ads and respond to them like it looks like prostitution right but typically these people aren't having choice over those interactions and 
there's so much of it online too, just with children being groomed. I mean, there's half a million pedophiles online every day in our country. You got to think of how many kids are being reached and talked to. Yes. And, and that can certainly lead to exploitation and human trafficking, which we see happen because now, you know, social media and talking to people you don't know is so normalized. So that's its own beast, unfortunately, now that we're always trying to be ahead of. Uh, but it's near impossible when kids can reach out to people on video games and apps Absolutely. constantly. Uh, but then just the, the, you know, again, you can go online and, and basically find anything you could imagine in terms of what you could purchase in a person. There's word of mouth. We still see it's, it's really um, strongly associated with gangs and drugs, yeah. you know, those types of um, environments. It's, you know, you sell people to, you make a lot of money. You don't have to remake it like you do with drugs. It's easier to hide. So, and then when you even talk about labor trafficking, you have kids maybe in underdeveloped um, or rough communities that maybe someone says, hey, if you do magazine sales, I'll get you into college for free. I mean, that is exploitation. We see stuff like that. We see people come over here, whether legally or illegally, that are basically everything is stripped from them and they're plopped in the middle of nowhere and told to work 15 hour days. So it just looks so many ways and is so prevalent. Uh, it's hard to even put a number on, you know, there's a lot of numbers yeah. and stats out there, yeah. which is great. We need it. But uh, it, for me, it's hard to even say whether or not they're accurate because it's just hard yeah. to keep up with. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like yeah. the dark, dark figure of crime. If you know, yeah. if you've heard about that before, where that's the crime that gets, reported to the federal government every year by law enforcement agencies they, they compile their they call them nibers and ucrs and but that's that's only the shit that's getting reported imagine right all the stuff that doesn't get compiled and put into that mm -hmm. data which is huge because mm -hmm. not everybody reports a sexual abuse or domestic violence no um so but but yeah so i mean it's it's horrible and i would imagine you know there's some people in power that could be affected by this shit if it ever, you know, we've seen it over the years with mm -hmm. certain families that have been named as, you know, involved in this stuff. It's not mm -hmm. funny, but I, I think when you get to those places of power, I think, you know, sometimes it just gets quelled or it gets squashed. You know what I mean? Well, you know, what's interesting. I'm thinking of two different, like, rabbit holes I could go down with what you're saying. The one is... What we see with people in positions of power who are involved is it's almost like a control or fetish thing where it's like what um, they just like to have that power and control in many aspects of their life. So it's right. kind of like a what can I get away with and having control over a child. There's something like sexual about that for a lot of times people in positions of power. Um, and on the flip side, too, when you think about when people don't come forward, like you just said, whether domestic violence, trafficking, we know that that's true, right? That people don't come forward and oftentimes they're not believed. But when you see that people in positions of power are the ones doing it, of course, you're terrified. Or unfortunately, people yeah. in professions like yours and mine buy sex from these people. So when they think, hey, I'm going to come forward, then they say, oh, wait, the people who purchased me were a pastor, a cop, a counselor, um, a Boy Scout leader, you know, these people that are in helping professions. And then on top of that, you have movies that come out um, that don't give voice to like how it really happens. So then those people who come forward aren't believed who are subtly coerced into it or 
no, you know, not chained up and, and kidnapped and abducted mm-hmm. because most of the time that's not what it looks like. So then why would we come forward? Because we're told through movies and all this other stuff that that's not what we should look like, right? We should look like we're chained up in a basement. Yeah. So there's so many rabbit holes I could dive do, into do you, with that. Do you think, Melissa, I mean, you're an expert in this. I mean, do you think, I mean, I know there's been some movies that have come out. Uh, I won't name them, but I think we're, we know what we're talking about. I mean, do you, does Hollywood get it? absolutely wrong or are they close or are they try to depict the best they can or because i think you're exactly right unless you've investigated these unless you've you know walked and you know work with victims like you have mm-hmm. are they wrong or do they tell the partial story or what maybe that's too broad of a question no that's a good question um I would compare to any, you know, let's say you see a a scene in a movie where a cop is shooting a gun and you're like, Jesus Christ, that's not how you shoot a gun, right? Like, it's kind of that same (laughs) idea of like, there's truth to like, why they're shooting their gun, maybe, right? Like why they're in that predicament, like you can see, okay, that makes sense. But like the way they shoot the gun is incorrect. And then you're like, oh my God, it's kind of the same thing. There are aspects of it that you're like, yeah, that could happen. Or I can see that. But the overall then like, down to like what it looks like is like no like now we're kind of giving the wrong message or we're not educating properly which again movies aren't meant to have to educate i understand that but i i it's just harmful right when these movies come out about really serious things sometimes because then it just paints a different picture and we're not looking for it in the right ways or i think it can be harmful to people because like you said it all comes everything comes down to education and if you are putting and I understand, like with Hollywood, they, they you know, they, it's Hollywood. They want to, you know, mm-hmm. shit blowing up and all kinds of other stuff. Um, but I think they do do a disservice sometimes, maybe not intentionally, yeah. but you, you can do harm to people because you're, you're not giving them what is accurate. You yeah. Know what I mean, and, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, ignorance, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I remember a, a cop, you know, or when I was a cop a long time ago, you, yeah, everybody watches like CSI Miami and oh, Florida exactly. and, and yeah. you know, New York and I don't have any fucking CSIs there are shows. But I remember, <laughs> you know, there you know, you'd get people coming to the police department. Yeah, can you get a fingerprint off this brick? Mm-hmm. And technically you probably could, but we, we this isn't like the same fucking yeah. TV show. Exactly. Exactly. So... And <laughs> as you experience, people do like take it that way for whatever reason you know and and kind of forget it is hollywood and and sometimes i think then again people focus on the wrong idea of what it it looks like you know where you get help how you get help i just it's too bad and then again these victims that have true experiences are like well who's gonna believe me now when when i wasn't chained up and then you go to a jury and say well they had no one holding them you know why couldn't they just leave and Instead, we should really have the mindset of like, why can't they leave? Not why don't they? Yeah. Um, and power, it just makes power us and think control, about, like you said. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. it's, it's control, and and I imagine it's a lot of, uh, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you say anything, mm-hmm. or you know, yep. um, you know, they're going to come after your parents and stuff like that. Exactly. So, and I think we hit on we started a little bit. So the way the let's talk about kids, and I mean it's all ages too. Mm-hmm. They're affected, but I. You know, I think we all can, you know, we see kids involved in this crap. So you think a lot of it just it must start online with with, you know, some sort of, you know, a, you know, introduction or somebody reaching out mm-hmm. to somebody. Maybe it's a video game chat room or whatever. And then it starts there and it just kind of 
the trust is built, you know, there's rapport going back, you know, being built yeah. communication back and forth. Good question. If we're talking about kids specifically, yeah. here's what I would say is most important to look for online. 100% is the most where they're recruited and groomed. Now mm -hmm. kids who run away, you know, they find what we call like a rescuer pimp. Like let's say you're on the run and they offer you drugs. They offer you a place to stay. They offer you oh, a job. Yeah. Right. And then later down the line, it's like, well, you owe me or, you know, I'm providing all this for you. I just need you to do me a solid this one time. Um, you know, they get them addicted to something and now they're dependent on that person. So it could look like that with a kid that's just troubled or run away or it's familial trafficking. So they're literally born into a home that sells them. Uh, and then that's wow. all they know. And then yeah. what drives me crazy in those scenarios is when their children, people look at them as kids needing rescuing. Right. But then they turn this magic age of 18 and all of a sudden they're like a prostitute who's worthless and we don't care about them. It's like, well, did you forget four years ago you gave a shit yeah. when they were, you know, 14, 13, yeah. 14 years old. And you're like, this is, you know, or even eight. Because that's all they, matter, like, because that's all they know. You know, like correct. I said, they've been groomed. They've been, like you said, in, in a lot of instances born into it. So they don't know any mm -hmm. other rea reality. That's, yeah. what, that's what they know. So it's a matter exactly. of working with these victims to deprogram, uh, deprogram yeah. them to a large extent, you know, I'm mean, obviously therapy, intense therapy mm -hmm. to try to get them, back as a as a functioning member of society correct it, yeah and a lot of it even comes down to because therapy is scary for them or it kind of yeah. brings up a lot of stuff they tried to forget Absolutely. so that can take a while to get there a lot of it is just like they need to trust people they have mm -hmm. zero trust in the world they have no idea what boundaries are um they need like mentorship you know someone who can be there at 10 p.m on a friday that they can just talk to or someone that can teach them how to grocery shop someone you know what I mean? Just someone that they can build trust with. And those of us in the system can do that to a certain extent, right? Like I worked with victims a lot on building trust, but if something happens, I still have to report it or um, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm still their social worker. You're still their investigator. And, sure. and there's, there's boundaries that come up there that hinder their ability to truly form. Um, Cause they don't know any better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, they've been, they've mm -hmm. been, I'm not trying to make excuses for certain behaviors, but it's like you're conditioned a certain way. You are. And then you your know? trauma, you know, response, the trauma response impacts your behavior and how you view the world and people. Yeah. And I don't think people give enough credit to that because sometimes, I mean, to be honest, victims of trafficking are the hardest victims of any crime or any scenario I've ever worked with. They're oppositional, they're paranoid. They're rude when they meet you. And that's because they, of course, they're going to be. I mean, sure. everyone in the world has used them, right? I mean, no one has shown them love. They've been neglected. I would expect that. That's a defense mechanism. But those of us in the system are obviously, uh, you know, upset by that. Like, you know, this shit kid or this. Yeah, and I think or, we, you know. But I think, you, like you said, I mean, you got to come back to, a, okay, be, <laughs> come back and, and really think about this, like you're alluding yeah. to is, you know, we, we're, you, you and I, to some degree, we're spoiled because we have mm -hmm. our support systems and exactly. we have that person we can call at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. at night. Yeah. These poor, these poor kids don't. And like you said, made a good point, you know, when they're an adult, we kind of just, I'm not all of them, but mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, a lot of them just slip through the cracks. Well, they do. Know, they're, they're a prostitute now, male, male mm -hmm. or female, male or and they're female. An, they're yep. an adult, uh, but it's mm -hmm. it's a, a shame. So, what's the solution? More education, more money? What do you think? All of it. I yeah. mean, uh, um, all of it because there's so much work that needs to be done in prevention, and oftentimes funding doesn't cover prevention. You yeah. know, like. 
there's things out there about, oh, do we legalize prostitution? And it just drives me nuts because coming from a perspective of someone who's worked in it, that's a Band-Aid on the problem. You're still going to have violence and abuse. You're still going to have traffickers. You're going to have purchasers that then try to purchase children because they get too deep into their addiction. To me, that's a Band-Aid. And so it's a lot of prevention that needs to happen. But to your point, that comes with funding um, and that comes with education. And so it's all of it in in. People often say, well, aren't we in the schools? And that would be lovely to be in the schools. Um, but schools are very, in my experience, like siloed in what in um, kind of like each school will allow different things based on what their curriculum is, based on what they have time for. And so it's really hard to get this overarching um curriculum in a school because they have a lot of things they already need to cover and some people say well it's not the school's responsibility to teach this stuff you know it's a parent but well, we're teaching you know, other we're are... teaching other stuff <laughs> yeah all the things all the things but you make it so they make a good point go ahead I'm sorry. yeah no no it's it's just tough because there's so many things that need to happen and there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work out there. It's just, there's always a need for more because our, you know, like it's just so prevalent. Well, and I think it's multifaceted. So, I mean, it's just not, okay, we need more education in schools. We need, I think the big component is okay. I'm not knocking parents. I'm a parent, you're a parent, Mm -hmm. but the home life, I mean, most, you know, (laughs) most parents, both of them are working. Yeah. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying that a lot of them are working. They're tired. They get home. And, you know, here's mm-hmm. the computer kid. Do what you want. 100 percent. So it's mm-hmm. that is a component to it. Huge. Um, and not looking at your kids phones, absolutely. not knowing who they're oh talking to. I used to drive me crazy. I was like, no, give me your phone. Absolutely. You don't need it past nine. The number one place that um, like child exploitation materials created or the kids take, you know, nude selfies is in the bathroom because they know their parents aren't going to. Yeah. enter so it's things like that like you can't have your phone past bedtime you can't have it in the bathroom you, you have to know every app they're on and everyone they're talking to um my sister finally gave her daughter who just turned 13 her first phone and her of course her friends have had phones since they were like eight so this is a pretty big deal and uh i that was something i call her like every other day and i'm like hey don't let her have snapchat and then i was like hey i saw roblox on her phone do you know everyone she's talking you know it's just everywhere so that my poor sister i feel like i'm telling her every two well, days I mean, like, I, I what think, to look for. but i think i mean i i think you know knowledge obviously is power and and yeah. i think you know i mean you being in that business and seeing victims of course you're going to be more hyper vigilant yeah and more sensitive to that stuff with your mm-hmm. sister i'd be the same way i am you know that yes. way with my family in some yeah. regards but um i i think there's a case for okay you know, a, a kid, you know, whatever the age that is, 12, 10, whatever, having a cell phone, it's always comes mm-hmm. back to what about safety, mom? What happened? I can't mm-hmm. get a hold of you. Okay. There's a case for that. But mm-hmm. I also agree. Like now you might, you might know this, Melissa. Um, but my, my brother has, you know, a, a 10 year old and a 14 year old. Now they have the ability to shut off. Like he has the ability to shut off apps. Yeah. To, to the phone. Like he gives mm-hmm. the, I mean, it could, it could take a few seconds for some interaction to take place, as you know, but mm-hmm. he has the, you know, ability to shut off apps and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which I guess helps to some degree. But yeah. I, I think getting parents more educated on the threats out there, and this is where your expertise comes in, uh, the threats come, you know, out there. Um, it's, it's just much more needed. I think there used to be a show, you remember the show to catch a predator? 
Oh, I love oh, that show. Oh, my God. We're, what's his name? Uh, I can't Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. And I mm-hmm. remember watching that going, and this was when I was still a cop a, long, you know, a while ago. I think yeah. it's been off the air. He would go in into, for the listeners out there who don't know, this guy would go in. It was NBC or ABC or MSNBC. I can't remember. He'd go into a community, and it was a sting operation mm-hmm. where he'd have like a decoy, uh, an undercover female narcotics or not narcotics, but a sex crime investigator. And they yeah. would basically get people to show up to the house. And it just baffled me. You see it. I mean, it's crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, hundreds of people. This is one location in a hundreds. town out of, you know, United States. Mm-hmm. And all this shit is happening right there. I mean, yeah. magnify that, you know, exponentially. Exactly. Well, it, to your point, I was at a lot of ops you know when when they were done in north dakota and um even in north dakota you couldn't keep up with the ads you know you'd post a fake ad and the amount of people that would chat into you you we couldn't keep up i mean the volume the first op they ran you know when the task force first started they ran out of jail space you know it because they had so many people respond to a child who they thought they were purchasing a child um, and I think too, now, luckily with kids, there's like gizmo watches, you know, like where you can know their location, or at least talk to them where they don't have to have the entire cell phone. But yeah, with Chris Hansen, I mean, so much of that is still accurate where if I had a nickel, every time a guy in an op would say, I've never done this before, or I was oh, only yeah. trying to help, you know, I only came because yeah. I wanted to give him money. It's like, oh, yeah. shut you, up. You came, like, up, we, you you came with alcohol and condoms. Yeah. You're trying yeah, to get, exactly. yeah, yeah. give me a fucking mm-hmm. break. Born yeah. last night, but not uh, born at night, but not last night. Right. I, so, yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Mental the mental health component we hit on it. You know, mm-hmm. with the victims and and of course law enforcement and first responders. I mean, it's huge. The, the, yeah. the mental toll it takes, obviously, on the victims and their families, and you who you know mm-hmm. obviously who works with this horrible stuff. I mean, it takes a toll yeah. to some degree on you and and first it responders. Does. So I mean, it's. I guess what I'm trying to, it's so important, as you know, Melissa, that we take care of each other, yeah, ourselves, right? Yes. The mental health uh, aspect of it. And that's something that I think people who are, are helpers like you, me, millions of other people out there uh, who, who do a hard job, I think we forget to do sometimes. We forget that, you know, we need to take care of ourselves too. I'm mm-hmm. just talking, I mean, I'm spiritually, whatever that looks like for you. Yep. Uh, you know, physically, um, it's very important, right? Well, it's important. And uh, like you said, not only do we not prioritize our mental health, uh, we don't know how to ask for help, yeah. right? We're the helpers. And that's really uncomfortable, especially for law enforcement. It's like, if I ask for help, will I be on desk duty? You know, will I not get promoted? I mean, there's that whole thing, or am I not tough enough for the job? Uh, but yeah, I think a huge part of it is, is that, and, and the word self-care, I try not to use, especially when I'm educating cops because it's so fluffy, but it, it really means discipline because like you're yeah. saying, you have to have a sense of spirituality, of physical health. You have to get sleep. You have to eat right. I mean, part of it is just like, you have to do the things to keep yourself yeah. healthy because that does impact your mental health. And so much of self-care is doing those things or like the meditating, which oh, doesn't absolutely. need to be ho-hum. It's meditating can be you sit in the backyard without any sound for 10 minutes. I mean, it can be anything, but you just have to be so mindful of those things and how the work impacts you when you come home through the door. And um, we don't, we like yeah. to stuff it away for another day and compartmentalize. And then that blows up. And yeah. um, we still, even in a country where the suicides of law enforcement are 
insanely high, we still have a hard time doing it. And it's, it's just, I harp on it a lot now because i I care about people's lives and a job should never, um, get someone to the point of wanting to end their own life. And, um, there's so much we can do before it gets to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and a lot of it is having, you know, I, I know you have a partner that's in law enforcement and, um, you know, I was in law enforcement for a long time and I, a lot of it's just a culture of the organization. Yeah. Because I think there are departments out there and I've seen them. Uh, I work for my last department that was really good at, at promoting and really being active and proactive and, hey, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's a lot of departments out there and organizations on every different level, federal, yes. state, local, that do a lot of this, but they mm-hmm. don't, they don't actually work on the problem. And, you know, that you mentioned meditation. I'm a huge, huge advocate of meditating, mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. If you would asked me about five years ago, Melissa, I would have laughed at you. It would have been like, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, in a robe and shit and doing all yeah. that. <laughs> but there's Kumbaya. a reason. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's yeah. a reason why. You know, every special operator, special warfare operator that I know that I talk to, they have some sort of mindfulness mm-hmm. uh, technique. That's good. That's good or to hear. A practice that they that they do. Hell, I'm friends with a a buddy of mine who's a SEAL out in Colorado. He's a yoga coach now. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but there, my point is there's a reason why elite operators, professional uh, sports teams, mm-hmm. certain law enforcement on all levels are employing these meditation techniques, mindfulness exactly. techniques. They're bringing in yoga instructors. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in all these different, uh, different modalities yeah, uh, it was shit that we didn't have when I was a young cop, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad it's available for for first responders now um, because it does help. But you, it does help. Point, you have to reach mm-hmm. out. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard. And that's why, too. I mean, even asking because we know we don't like asking for help, like your partner, uh, like at work, you know, are you good? And yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Are you sure? You know, because uh it's just important to like actually take time for that. And I worked, um, where was I? I was at a conference and someone said before every shift, he was a nurse, but he worked with a team of cops too. And at every shift, he would look at every single person in the eye and say, are you good? Are you good? Are you good? And this one guy like was not right. And said I was, but the guy, because the one who asked, are you good? He did it every day. He knew something was wrong. And then he, you know, long, long story short, he ended up kind of saving that guy. And, um, it's those moments too of of not only trying to reach out for help yourself, but asking your your people around you uh, because they're probably feeling the same way you are. Absolutely. And I know this sounds cringy, but for a lot of people, like they won't even consider the EAP or the free counseling that law enforcement departments offer because there's they're scared that confidentiality yeah. breakdown, which therapists can't say anything unless you say I'm going to shoot my boss at work. You know, yeah. they they it truly is confidential, but then what if someone sees me when I'm in and out? You know, what if someone at work I recognize? What if someone I see on my beat, you know, uses that therapy? Oh, so yeah. I understand it, but there are there are ways around it. And Absolutely. a lot of departments are getting better about um, finding ways to make it more, I guess, appealing. And so just don't be afraid to at least inquire, look into it and consider it. It's free. I mean, and I say this all the time, but therapists have therapists. Like people don't realize how normal therapy is. Like yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great point. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, helpers need helpers. They need coaches. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. You know, another analogy, Tiger Woods. I mean, you mean he's still a great golfer, but it, he has a, a golf coach. Yeah, exactly. So to use the same example, therapists, you might be really, really good at what you do. And I'm saying you probably are, but you need to talk to somebody. Well, that's just it. You do. You know, yeah. you need to talk to somebody and mm -hmm. it's perfectly okay. But yeah. yeah, I think it's just the culture. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up in a culture of military and then law enforcement. Yeah. It's just the culture of, okay, can't be weak, can't mm -hmm. show, uh, you know, yeah, weakness or, or kind of empathy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You got to push it down. And there's a time and a place for that because absolutely that kind of mindset is going to keep you alive and keep you focused on the next call. But mm -hmm. what do you do when you get home? That's when you just gotta, it. When you, gotta, when you walk in the door and your spouse says, hey, honey, you know, whatever, or your partner. And you just sh shut down like I did for a long time. And I was going to go up and have a drink, decompress. Well, mm -hmm. that drink turns into two drinks or three drinks. Exactly. And then you, you don't want to say anything. And then it just, it just domino effect. It is so, a domino effect. And nope. so many, you know, I've talked to a lot of law enforcement about this too. And like one guy I worked with, he said he worked a lot of like cases on child exploitation and, you know, child homicides, just horrible stuff. And he had two little kids at home. And he and his wife had so many problems because he would get home and just be yeah. like, frankly, just an asshole, right? He saw all this horrific yeah. crap at work. And then he has two kids like, daddy, daddy, you're home, play with me. And his wife was so affected because she's like, why are you so mean to our children? You know, and so he, they had they found different compromises. One, like when he came home, nobody talked to him. He had 20 minutes of quiet time by himself oh, to, okay. you know, yeah. and then came out and kind of went into dad family man mode. And um they would once a week, he and his wife would wake up on like Mondays and come up with a daily affirmation for the week. It sounds corny, uh, no, but I it love, started I love their that. week. I like love, it's easy, right? That. that takes 10 minutes, um, gives you time with your spouse, starts the week off positive. So there was just little things that they did because, uh, yeah, you might need to be that way at work, but is it worth ruining your personal Absolutely. life if you're not ahead of it, you know, and, and having to have some really hard conversations with yourself about that. Um, and you know what I we love don't about like to all, do that. I, you know what I love about all you said, Melissa, you know, hmm. for the listener out there, it doesn't cost you anything. No, it doesn't cost you anything to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to practice a little bit of gratitude. I'm glad I opened my eyes today. Yeah, I'm glad I have a roof over my head. And so I mean, mm -hmm. and it might sound corny. But to your point, those daily affirmations, those positive self-talk yeah our worst enemy is ourselves after it is for majority yeah. of time. all that little mm -hmm. shit we'd say to ourselves and berating ourselves so i love the idea of affirmations i usually i still have a few up you know sticky notes reminding mm -hmm. myself i think those are huge they are and you know back to me a little bit you know what i used to do and, and i justified not telling my wife anything or my ex, because she had no idea, you know, what she didn't come from a law enforcement family or anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I was not telling her shit to protect her. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. If you're thinking about that right now, mm -hmm. well, I have yeah. to protect you're doing by not saying anything and doing what we just described or yeah. not, you're doing more damage. Exactly. And if you just said, all right, honey, this is what I have. I just need to get something off my chest yeah. and it's going to sound harsh. It's going to sound horrible but I need to get it. Or if you don't want to talk to your spouse about it, like you said, mm -hmm. <laughs> talk to somebody, then tell your spouse why you can't talk about it. You just need to right. say something. Communicate yeah, regardless. Communicate. Yeah. I mean, and if it's a protection thing, you can still try to Absolutely. talk about how it affected you. You don't have to give every gory yeah, detail about detail. what's affecting you. Yeah. You can say, Hey, I had a really crappy 
you know, scene today and the victim looked like our kid. And that really oh. is fucking with my head. Right. I mean, yeah. it could be that that's all you need to say. But for one, you have to even recognize that in yourself if that's what's happening, right? Yeah. Like, oh, maybe this is affecting me because of A, B, and C. Yeah. And then just say without the details, a spouse can be much more understanding and empathetic if you come home in a not great space, if they understand why, right? And um, well, that's that thing. gets just, hard for people. And like you said, just, just open up and, and learn yeah. how to open up, not just with your spouse or your partner, or your family, but other people too, trusted mm -hmm. people, not just yeah. fucking willy nilly talk to anybody, people that you trust in your circle. You know, I talk mm -hmm. about who's in your tribe, you know, who, who, who can you like our buddy mutual John Kelly, there's a shout mm -hmm. out to him. I can call John right now and talk to him about anything. He's just mm -hmm. a good friend of mine. And I'm sure you have people in your world that you can do that to. Those are the people yeah. that you want to hold on to. Um, yes. And who, who's bringing you down because that's going to affect you too. too. Mm -hmm. I've always said, and people, and don't take this the wrong way. Those law enforcement first responders out there, law enforcement's an inherently toxic environment. Mm -hmm. it, it is. And that's not a dig because yeah. I love cops. I love first responders, but all we do is bitch, moan, complain. And then what do we do when we're off? We bitch, moan and complain. Mm -hmm. uh, there are good things about law enforcement, but that's toxic. And so you need to have, an outlet <laughs> you need you need mm -hmm. to have somewhere you can go to or yes. people you can talk to get friends i wish my boyfriend was here to hear all of the things <laughs> you're saying well he, i mean it's uh, it's yeah, true he's... i mean it is true and you know i mean i'm not i mean again i love law enforcement but the best thing i ever did melissa the best advice I ever gotten was get friends outside of law enforcement. And I tell mm -hmm. people this a lot. Again, that's not a slight. It's not a dig on first responders. I love you all. But when you realize, when you start getting friends outside of the first responder fields, you start to realize from a cop's for, you know, as a cop that look, everybody out there is not a criminal. Mm -hmm. Most people are good people. It took me a while to yeah. realize that we just yeah. deal with like the eight, 10% that are yeah. constantly that suck you know, <laughs> yeah it suck but you know I, I and i can't harp this enough get friends outside of law enforcement well and it's funny so much of what you're saying i feel like you've sat through one of my trainings because you say <laughs> it's literally so much of what you say like to the sticky notes to the self talk like you're literally talking well, about and i talk I, I get speeches and i, and I go yeah you know, that's I, true I, I i talk about this but i had yeah. to learn the hard way melissa i mean yeah. you've known this and you teach it but i learned the hard way but i wouldn't give mm -hmm. up my trek for for anything because that's exactly what, that's what makes us grow right i mean you yeah. grow from your adversity you've had yours i've well, had yeah mine. i've learned i yeah i've certainly learned the hard way too with some of this yeah. and um to your point the friends outside one thing i say in training is i all my best friends are cops and social workers what do you think we talk about over beer after work is freaking work <laughs> And um, in the dark humor, I mean, it's fun, right? Like the ridiculous dark shit we can laugh at, but you don't need to be doing that no. all the time. And when you step out of that, like now, now, um, now that I work more remote and I moved outside of North Dakota, I, I still play in sport. I still play um, volleyball and basketball. And those people have nothing to do with my job. And, yeah. and it's hard some days after work when I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. I'm tired. But once you get to that thing, you know, that you don't want to do, because when we're tired and stressed and overwhelmed, the first thing to yeah, go absolutely. are like our hobbies and our social circle. 
But once I'm there, I'm like, none of these people, you know, they might ask me a thing or two because my job's interesting to people outside of it. Right. But um, it's like, I'm laughing about other things outside of dark humor. And I'm not like in this work mode all the time, because even though I love my friends in law enforcement and social work, it is exhausting. It's like you go home after a night out or, you know, and it's like, yeah, we just talked about work and, um, but you isn't it a refresh? It is so refreshing to not yeah. talk about work. It's so refreshing. It's so nice. It's those so times nice. When you don't. Mm-hmm, you, and don't you don't. I realize mean, it. some of the best conversations I have with some of my cop friends is where we get our former cop friends is we get on and we don't, we're not telling war stories. There's a time and a place for that, but mm-hmm. we're talking about like mental health or we're talking about spirituality exactly. or we're talking about yeah. meditation. I'm a huge fan of that. And uh, those are great conversations. They are. Yeah. And they're not just telling the story. Remember the time we had that drunk guy and that, well, you know, those are fun too, but they are all the time. Not all the time. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And (laughs) you know, I'm going back to something you said earlier, because I love talking about this and training so much of that um, negative self-talk is a big piece of this because I read a study and we have on average, like 55,000 thoughts a day. Over 80 some percent are negative, which is crazy. But when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that tracks, you know, and um, I I put up this belief wheel in my trainings where I talk about like, what is that initial belief that you have, whether it's about yourself, the world about the place you work. So like if it's a toxic workplace, you might have this belief of like, no one's redeemable everyone sucks, right? You can't save anybody. And so then how is that going to impact your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, and then the results and the results then will absolutely reassure your initial belief because of how you're thinking about it and behaving. So even if you're thinking to yourself, like, um, no one can be trusted. I mean, think about your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviors and then the results, because you're not going to let people in to even see that. So well, of course you're going to say, you know, so it's I just, love this. I love yeah. this stuff because you're talking about in a, in a indirect way, you're talking about law of attraction, which yes, I, I am. really yeah. am digging the last couple yeah. of years because yeah. I mean, some people think it's corny and stuff, but just to what you said, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think it the is. world sucks, people sucks, job sucks, boss sucks, everything sucks. Guess what life's going to give you? Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Because our thoughts are, you know, we're out, we're all energy, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, we are. Yeah. And so if we're putting out the vibe, in my opinion, that everything sucks, my job mm-hmm. sucks, why are you surprised if that's what the universe or life gives you back? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're getting woo-woo. I like it. Yeah, it's a woo-woo, but it's true. <laughs> it is very you true. Know, and you saying... notice those are the things you notice. Absolutely. The and, shitty and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but we, you know, we don't realize that we can't co- control a lot of shit that goes on in the world, but we can't yeah. control this. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying if you get up, you know this, Melissa, and everything's, oh, it's rainbows and lollipops all mm. the time. No, you're right. going to have shitty days and bad days. You mm-hmm. know that. I know that. But if you're constantly putting out the negative vibe, the negative energy, and you surround yourself with idiots who are negative, what, are you that shocked that you're getting right. what you put out? Right. And if you are shocked, wake the hell up. I know. Because yeah. you, can, you can control that. Exactly. You know, it's like treatment, you know, and you know this. You know, you could you can open up the doors for people all the time, like in the matrix, mm-hmm. you know, here you go. Here's the door. I can tell you how wonderful treatment is, how it saved my mm-hmm. life, which it did. You got to walk through it. Yeah. You can either do it or don't. Yeah. 
but don't bitch about your life being stuck in the same if you're not willing to take that chance mm -hmm. and do something different. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, think we solved all of the world's problems. Today. Well, we did, obviously. <laughs> what else did you expect to happen here? Uh, someone, you know, where do I sign? Give me the million dollar contract. I, um, oh, no, I lost my thought and it was a really good one, but it'll come back, you know. Melissa, Kat, you, you are amazing. I could talk with you all day long. You're very smart, educated. You have the experience. If people want to reach out to you. Yes. Where can they, where can they reach out to you? Um, I'm a big emailer. That's usually the best. Email, LinkedIn what? is great. What? Emailer. Email. Like what about emailer. TikTok? What about, oh, I what am about on the, TikTok. What about the my, Insta? I know. Uh, those are my, my <laughs> outlets where my professional <laughs> life is not involved and you would not even know what, what about, I do. Because, yeah. Yeah. Let oh. just let it. And we'll be in the show notes for all those listening out there. If they want to hire, uh, Melissa to come and train and do some speaking. Would love to. Yes. Uh, shoot me an email. It's half my first name, half my last name. So it's Mel Kai, M-E-L-K-A-I consulting at gmail.com uh, or LinkedIn. I'm just on LinkedIn as Melissa Kaiser. So awesome. you're awesome. You'll Melissa. find me. I would love to not. And for the, for the listener out there, everything else will be or everything we talked about will be linked up in the show notes as well as Melissa's information. Reach out to her. She's amazing. Obviously, we've talked for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> thank you for coming on my friend thank please you for stay having in me. touch i'd love to have you on again that sounds great i look forward to it all right melissa bye-bye such a great and informative show with melissa if you like the audio version of this show check out the video at cj evolution podcast on youtube until next time everybody be safe